Welcome to Missionary Talks, where we talk with missionaries and learn about their lives and work. Today I'm talking with Bob Patterson. He is a missionary kid, grew up on the mission field, and is now in Kansas City. And Bob recently took a trip to a short-term trip to Uganda. Uh, Bob, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I go to Tri-City Baptist Church. In fact, I'm a deacon there and a member of the missions committee. Um, went to college, Pensacola Christian College. I uh, got my bachelor's degree in evangelism in 94 and a master's degree in Bible exposition in 96. Uh, after graduation, um, with my master's degree, I spent seven and a half years as an assistant pastor of a church in Indiana, uh, in a small town of Tipton, Indiana. But the Lord led us out of there, and um, I'm in a secular work now, but we're probably as involved in our church as lay people as I was when I was in the ministry. I just don't happen to get paid for it anymore. So that's, uh, I guess that's the fluff about about me, and uh, other than the fact that I grew up in Mexico, my parents are missionaries, they moved to Mexico when I was about a year and a half old. And my mother was also raised in on the mission field in Costa Rica and in Mexico. You recently went to Uganda. How how long ago was that? Uh, I just got back uh, about two and a half weeks ago, and we were there for about uh, total total trip time was about twelve days. Okay, and then you went with a group. Can you tell us a little bit about the group that you were with? Yes, I was there with Operation Renewed Hope in Uganda, and we worked with uh, two missionary families, Brian Stensis and then his son, Keith Stensis. Um, Operation Renewed Hope is an organization that was started out of a church in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and it was just a ministry of their church, and it just grew and grew and grew into what it is today. Uh, The pastor of the church, uh, Brother Jan Milton, uh, he resigned his position as a pastor of the church to go full-time with Operation Renewed Hope about four years ago, and that's all he does. And so he is a, he is a missionary uh, working with Operation Renewed Hope. And what they are is they're an organization that uses, um, uses medical missions or uses medicine as a tool for getting churches started and getting people saved all over the world. And it started in Panama, and it has just blossomed from Panama to all over Latin America, and then now they're just they're all over the place. Then you went as a short-term missionary, and that's what Operation Renewed Hope does, but do they have long-term missionaries that are on the field in these places? No, they do not. Uh, what they do is they work with existing missionaries that are already there, to help get the medical clinic set up, and then they work uh, in conjunction with the missionaries that are already in the in the places that they're going, so that they can either number one help them grow the ministry that they already have uh, by either you know expanding the ministries of the churches that have been started, or number two by helping get into areas that they have not been able to get into otherwise for you know various reasons, whether they're political reasons. Uh, logistical reasons, whatever, areas that they haven't been able to get into for the sole purpose of helping to get churches started. And that's actually what we saw happen in Uganda. What led up to you going on this trip? How did you find out about the group and and get involved that way? Well, I, I mentioned that Jan Milton had resigned his position as pastor of the church in Fayetteville. 
when he did that, he he uh, had a very close relationship with our pastor here in Kansas City, and so he moved to Kansas City, moved his membership to our church, and actually bases out of Kansas City. He's never here because he's always gone either you know visiting with churches or on uh, survey trips to other countries or actually on the trips themselves. Their ministry is based here. So I got to know them actually through my church. What was it that you had to do to to be able to go on this trip? Well, I mean, first of all, you, you had to find out about the trip. Of course, and you know I did but through, through Jan Milton directly. But then from there, you have to fill out a form, uh, a registration form. And in the form, they ask you a series of questions having to do with, you know, your your Christian testimony, your personality, you know, if you're going to have trouble uh, being in a very difficult situations in other in third world countries, you know, they they want to know if if you're accustomed if you're so accustomed to creature comforts that you're not going to be able to operate in in the way that they need you to operate in these medical missions. So they have you fill out this form and then you get approved, uh, and then then you you know actually you sign up for a trip and then you pay for it. And the trip to Uganda cost about twenty two hundred dollars. So, you know, you either pay for it yourself or you raise the money to pay for it. Is that about the cost of their other trips, about 22 or is it a lot less for closer countries? It depends on where they're going and how long they're staying and, and what the accommodations are going to be like when they're there. Uh, I know that right now they're, they're, they've got two more major trips planned for this year. One is to Mexico into kind of north-central Mexico, um, and then they've got another trip planned to Cambodia in November. The one to Mexico, I think, is around $2,000, something right in that, maybe 1800 right in through there. But I know the one to Cambodia is about thirty-three or $3,400. So it just depends on where they're going, you know, what the airfare is going to be like to get there. You know, once they land, are they going to have to hire planes or helicopters or trucks to get to however remote areas that they have to go through. So, you know, the the cost of the trip pays for a lot more than just than just your airfare to get there and also pays for getting around while you're in the country and then, you know, your food and transportation. And then also there's there's money built into that to actually help pay for some of the other things related to the trip. How many people were on your team and how many do they typically take on a team? Uh, on the team that that I was on, there were 40 people total. There were three medical doctors, two dentists, there was an optician and a pharmacist. And then the rest was either nurses or nurses' aides um, or just lay people like myself that were there just to help with crowd control and, and you know, the registration process. And, and then, of course, we also had an evangelist that went with us that preached to everybody that came through our clinic. Did you primarily work with only one foreign language, or did you have different languages in different places you went? That, that's a great question. Uh, we were actually two different languages that we worked with. In south uh, southwestern Uganda, they speak basically they speak Runyonkori, which is a very strange language. In um, the other area that we were in, they speak uh, Lugandan, which is kind of the main language in Uganda. That's kind of the state language. What was the climate like? Was it very hot while you were there? Oh, not at all. Uh, Uganda is a very uh, mountainous country. 
and even though it's right on the equator, um, it's it's at a very high elevation. So you know it never really got all that hot while we were there, and it never really ever gets very hot in Uganda. I'm sure there's probably pockets here and there that it does get hot, but uh, but it was actually very pleasant while we were there. Just gorgeous weather. In fact, at night there were a few times where it we you know it was just downright cold. It would get down into the you know in the low 60s, high 50s uh, at night, and you know we were sleeping outside in a tent, and and uh, I didn't take a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> I got cold a couple nights, which actually you know it was kind of surprising. You know when I thought we realized I was going to be going to Africa, I was thinking, man, it's going to be so hot and it's going to be miserable. But you know, praise the Lord, I'm going anyway. And then I found out it wasn't, and then I still didn't prepare well enough. I didn't take any anything warm to wear at night. Huh. Well, where do I sign up? <laughs> you- oh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Now, I mean, we still had to deal with, with other things that are certainly are cons. You know, we had to take malaria medication because malaria is very prevalent there, and uh, we had to take our yellow fever shot because yellow fever is a major concern in Uganda. So, you know, you take the bad alongside the good, too. What kind of hardships did you have? You mentioned you had to fill out a questionnaire, and and mm-hmm. would you be able to handle certain things? What kind of things did you have to deal with there? Well, we had to deal with lack of hot water. Uh, sometimes we had to deal with the lack of water. Um, sometimes we had to deal with the lack of electricity. Uh, we had to sleep on the floor. Sometimes we had to deal with lack of food, uh, of normal food, I guess is a better way of putting it. In a couple of areas, we knew it was going to be so remote, and there just wasn't a way to just go down the street to a restaurant to eat dinner. So we actually had to take MREs, and we ate MREs for uh, for about three days in this one area that we were in. It was pretty remote. You were in a different village each day to to work. Yes. Did y'all move your your camp, your location each day as well? While we were doing the clinics, there were two places that we stayed. One, uh, the first place we stayed in uh, a little a little hotel in the village of Kanungu, which you know you think, oh well, at least it was a hotel, but it, it was <laughs> it's the most primitive hotel I've ever stayed in. You know, it was uh, just this little tiny room with one bed, one single bed, very basic facilities. Um, as I mentioned, no hot water. And, you know, even they were, even though they were, there was only one bed, we, you know, of course we all had to double up in all the rooms. So I slept on an air mattress on the floor, uh, you know, when we were in Kanungu. Some of the rooms had a toilet and a, you know, a sorry excuse for a shower. What were some particular blessings you, you got during the trip? Oh, man, there's just no word. I mean, where do I start? Probably, probably one of the, the biggest blessings was seeing how the Lord worked through some pretty serious issues with us, with especially with one of the clinic areas. I, I mentioned Kanungu earlier. Uh, Kanungu is a very interesting village. About eight years ago, there was a cult leader, and he had convinced everybody that was a that was part of his cult that the Lord was going to return on a certain day at a certain time. Well, that didn't happen. So he gathered them all together in his in his church building, and there was about a thousand people in there. And he locked the doors, and he set it on fire, and killed all of them. 
So, and that was only about eight years ago. So, first of all, the people there in the village were were understandably a little gun shy over, uh, you know, someone from the outside coming in to to do something related to, you know, in their minds, religion. A second major obstacle that also contributed to this uh, is that Kanungu is an area that is known for pygmies. Well, pygmies are are seen in Uganda as another tourist attraction, just like people would go to visit, you know, the impenetrable forest to see the gorillas, or they would go to, you know, the Mburo Game Preserve to see the impalas and the Cape buffaloes and the zebras and whatever else is there. They actually have safaris to go to uh, the Kanungu district to see the pygmies. So it's a major tourist attraction, and, and these people are considered to be, even to this day, are considered to be subhuman. So one of the, one of the main people that has personal interests in that area is the, um, the bishop of the Church of Uganda, so when the bishop found out that we were going into this area, he said, there's no way I'm going to allow that. You know, those are my people. I mean, he literally came out and claimed ownership of the Pygmy tribe. Because if there is any semblance of civilization that can get to them, that's a threat on their culture, which then in turn would be a threat on his own personal livelihood. You know, that was a major a major thing that we had to work through. And it was just a blessing to see how the Lord worked through all that. Because as a result of it, the mayor of the village of Kanungu and the chief of police for the entire district of of Kanungu, they said, you know, our people need our people need services. Our people need to have the ability to or the opportunity to see a doctor. And they said, We really don't care what the bishop of the church of Uganda says, we want you to come. And we already had official permissions from the Ministry of Health in the capital. And so from a legal standpoint, we had we honestly had every legal right to be there. And we went there and Dave at at the at the clinic that we had there in Kanungu Town, the mayor of Kanungu got saved and the chief of police for the district of Kanungu got saved. And when it was all said and done, uh, they both said, listen, whatever you need, we we want to help you uh, get this church started in this town, and, you know, we, we'll, we'll do anything we can do to help you. They've been trying to get into this town for a long time and had met all kinds of opposition, not just from from the Church of Kanungu, but from the local people because of what had happened, you know, eight years ago. But they saw that, that we're serious about what we were there to do to help people, so the door is wide open now for getting a church started in that town, and uh, an incredible foundation has been laid for uh, for that to happen. So that's, I would say, of the trip, that's probably the biggest blessing is just seeing what happened there in Canoga. And then, and then just in an overall general standpoint, just the, the privilege of being involved in something where that we saw 700 people trust Christ, and it, it was just incredible to be a part of that. Praise the Lord. Can you tell me two things you learned? One thing that you learned on the trip that the Lord taught you, and maybe something that the Lord has taught you since you've gotten back home. Okay, first of all, uh, something that I learned on the trip was just, you know, I, I, I guess I had known this from a head knowledge and from being a a missionary kid, but, you know, missionaries, missionaries are people too. <laughs> that sounds kind of trite to say that, but 
but it but it's really true. They have the same struggles, the same the same issues, the same pressures that any other Christian has. But but the difference is that it's most of the time it's very exaggerated. One of the things that I learned on the trip was just just that our missionaries need our prayer and our support and our encouragement more than we really realize. I was talking to the missionary, uh, Keith Stensis, and I asked him, you know, how often do people come here to see you? You know, when, when I was in Mexico, people came and saw us all the time. Of course, you know, Mexico's pretty close. It doesn't really cost a whole lot to travel to Mexico, and it's not that far. It doesn't take long to get there. And, but Uganda's halfway around the world. So so I asked him, I said, you know, how, how often do, do people come to see you? And he said that in the 11 years that he's been there as a missionary in Uganda, that there's only been four times that someone from the United States has come to visit him. And, and to me, that was just so sad because I, I know the encouragement that it was when I was a kid of having people coming to visit us and to, and, and, and to come and fellowship with us and to get a blessing from seeing what the Lord was doing with the ministry that was going on in Mexico. So, so that's, that's something I learned on the trip. And something that I learned since I've been home is how meaningless some of the things are that in this culture we, we think are so important. You know, the material things, the, the, the lifestyle, the uh, schedules, uh, you know, when it all boils right down to it, it really isn't all that important. Can you tell the listeners how they can get more information about Operation Renewed Hope? Yes, there is a website. It's www.operationrenewedhope.org, just all spelled out. Okay, and I'll put a link to Operation Renewed Hope's website at my site, missionarytalks.com, so you can go there and find that link. As we close, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? Probably more than ever, after after going on this trip, I have a new burden for missionaries. Uh, you know, I'm a layman in my church, and 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 I'm a deacon in my church, and and I'm a missionary kid, so I think I understand the lives of missionaries probably a little bit better than the average the average church member would. But after this trip, I I truly. I truly feel that I have a, a completely new burden in my heart and, and, and in my in my soul for missionaries and for and for the heroes that they really really are and uh, you know my it has revitalized my prayer life praying for missionaries and how to pray for missionaries you know the struggle that they go through in Uganda just in the differences in culture uh, are, are huge. But, but I also know that it's just like that all over the world. Uh, so uh, I would just like to share that uh, with the listeners that, that, you know, pray for your missionaries. But don't just pray for them. There's two other areas that I think are very important besides prayer. And, you know, and I think, not that we should, but I think we, we could probably just take that for granted, that our missionaries need prayer. But secondly, another area is in the area of finances. You know, we need to support our missionaries. Uh, you know, a, a missions a missions philosophy or a missions program in a church is very important, and it certainly involves finances. You know, there's no amount of money that that can be given to missions that is too much, because a missionary knows what he, what he has to what he needs to live on, and anything extra that comes in can be used for a work fund, or can be used for 
you know, the, the, the furtherance of the gospel of where the Lord has called you to. Uh, so, you know, there's no amount of money that is too much to be given to a missionary or to a mission project. But then the third area is just in the area of, of encouragement. Missionaries need encouragement. Uh, they, they need to be encouraged knowing that they're being prayed for. They need to be encouraged knowing that, uh, that people are giving sacrificially to uh, to their ministries but they also need encouragement by people you know sitting down at their computer and typing out an email or getting out a piece of paper in an envelope and a stamp and writing them a letter and mailing it to them or quite frankly as cheap as it is now picking up the phone and calling them just to say hey I was thinking about you today uh, I know you're halfway around the world but I just want you to know somebody cares for you somebody's thinking about you and you have not been forgotten and I think some some of those very simple things like that are such an encouragement to missionaries and, quite frankly, can keep them energized to continue on with the ministry that God has called them to because there's a lot of discouraged missionaries out there. There's there's nothing in the world uh, that says that you can't, you know, you and your wife or you and your family or you and some friends get on an airplane and fly in somewhere in the world for the sole purpose of visiting a missionary. It doesn't have to be an organized missions trip through your church or through another organization. It can be just you saying, you know what, these are some people that, that I want to get to know a little bit better and, and just get on a plane and go visit them. You know, you don't want to be a burden to them. You don't want to just show up on their doorstep and say, hey, I'm here. But I, I think that is another area that would be tremendous encouragement. You've been listening to Missionary Talks with David Peach. Please visit us at missionarytalks.com.